Meanwhile, at the AA meeting. My name's James, and I'm a shrimpaholic. Hi, Hi James. James. It's been two weeks since my last shrimp purchase. I'm not sure I can do it anymore. My second wife left. It's, it's just a constant battle in my life. One day... I get paid. The next day, I'm flat broke, spending my entire check on four or five shrimp. Three wind up dead in the mail. And it's a house, an empty house full of tanks by myself. No kids, no family, just dead shrimp and an empty wallet. I don't know what to do anymore. Wait! Wait! Here! No, no, give me the mic! <sighs> guys, guys. What if I told you you can go to joeshrimpshack.com and use promo code AquariumGuys at checkout to save 15% off? That way you can afford your addiction. Dude, this is all right. Let's get out of here and get some shrimp. This time, let's go. I need me shrimp. joeshrimpshack.com because quitting is for quitters. Where? I found it in the fish room. Anyone nearby? I saw green. What? I just finished dosing reef flowers. I'm not the imposter. I don't know. I suspect green. He was using all kinds of different bottles. No way someone has that many supplements. I swear. I was just easy balling the tank. It's my favorite task. Easy balling? What does that even mean? This guy is making stuff up. Guys, they're just Reef Flowers Aquarium supplements. I got them for 25% off at reefflowers.us with promo code AquariumGuys at checkout. I'm sorry, man, but there's no way you paid that little for all these. I just can't believe you. Green definitely sus. Yeah, vote green. What? Oh, man, he wasn't the imposter. I was sure it was him. Yeah, me too. Well, after I'm done sabotaging you, I'm heading over to reefflowers.us to get my own balling set. 25% off is too good to pass up, even for an imposter. Crew members and imposters alike can get 25% off all Reefflowers Aquarium dosing supplements, premier marine salts, and fresh and saltwater substrates. Just head over to reefflowers.us and use the code AquariumGuys at checkout. Be an aquarium baller and dose with reefflowers today. And after you've ordered from reefflowers.us, you can go to aquariumguyspodcast.com. On the bottom of the webpage, you'll find our Discord information and play a couple games of Among Us with us. Welcome to the Aquarium Guys Podcast with your hosts, Jim Colby and Rob Zolson. Welcome, guys, to the Aquarium Guys Podcast. This is uh, take two for those who are listening. Jimmy, you brought me cake. I love you. Thank you. I did. I brought my cake uh, that was left over for my birthday, and I thought you would enjoy it since you have porridge for blood and well, you're diabetic and i don't know what they're trying to kill you thank you because it's a gesture of baked goods or pretend that it was the antifreeze you're giving to a dog so either way <laughs> i'm losing a toe and i'm going to smile about it but thank I, you i hope you lose more than a toe <laughs> honestly well, i'm Dogs your home don't need antifreeze because it's got a bittering agent in it does it it does yeah, now they, it does now yeah well thank goodness but i'm your host rob zolson i am jim colby and i'm adam on so this week, we are ecstatic to have uh, the YouTuber Bentley Pisco. Did I say that correctly? Pascal. Damn it, I did that before the Tabasco. I pay attention. I want to say Tabasco you now. That's a not even fair. Dickweed. <laughs> Certainly, guys, take a moment. Check in the uh, podcast notes for his YouTube channel. But Bentley, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me, Ben. 
<laughs> All of a sudden, he's proper and quiet. I can't. Believe this oh no, he's camera, he's camera shy. Even though it's an audio podcast. Audio. Oh, no, pod. this is nothing. I mean, you. It's like how, how can I say this? Um, there, there is. A, so I, I used to work in radio, right? And there is an inherent training the second you know you're being recorded that just goes click, and it, it's it once you're programmed that way, it's really hard to deprogram it. Oh no, we'll we'll get you. You know, you just, can't deprogram <laughs> Robs because last week was interesting was it <laughs> i felt poor jenny i felt like i took her like like taking a lamb to slaughter for it, god's sake it really was now for the listeners they're hearing these things out of order because we record everything uh back in time but they're listening to uh we're referring to the turtle podcast for turtle podcast listening. yes yes right um, you drove that thing into the ditch so fast. I feel so I'm bad. I'm sorry. No one warned me that turtles breathe out of their asses. You know, right? I, and you only said it about, I don't know, 340 times about, about breathing uh, out your butthole. I, and I that's just, why I'm late tonight because I couldn't get past HR when I came in the, it came in the building. I couldn't get past we HR. We needed HR last week. Big time. Same level. All right. Of just complete shock. And awe. I didn't know what to do. Like, when you're fed that amount of information and you're just taken back, you don't know what to do. Like the whole betas or transgender thing, didn't know that either. And dolphins, right? I knew that, but it's still hard to choke down. That that was bad. That was bad. Yeah, I just I feel like you two owe her like a T-shirt each. Oh, easy. And actually, Jenny, Why did I owe her anything. Oh, I listened to it, Adam. I listened to it all. Right. Jenny actually made the artwork on a lot of our uh, aquarium guy swag. So if you guys want a T-shirt from Jenny. We'll make sure to uh, give her an extra high five for putting up with us on that podcast. It was like watching a bad episode of Force Gump. It really she was. Didn't watch it. I love life, you, Jenny. Life likes a buck of chocolates, and and then and then Rob go, but they breathe through their butthole. I I I had to clarify. They have a lung tube, something to their butthole, and sure enough, that's how they hibernate yeah. is they breathe out their butt. So what HR would like you to do is is write a five hundred page, uh, five hundred word apology to the company and then they made one new rule about when i'm out of town and uh that you two can have a podcast you can't talk if you say the so. two of you can't talk no 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 talking i thought what's the worst that can happen when i i take one night off what's the worst that can happen because the last time i gave you guys free reign and you had the night off what happened you lost the freaking podcast you well, lost rocks. you lost it that's and you fair. never found it and i thought oh what's the worst that can happen they'll lose it again Nope, didn't lose this one. No, I wish you would have lost that one. Did not lose. Thank I God. didn't understand. I didn't think it was that bad. Oh, what did I do wrong? He's just jealous that he wasn't here. So who's butt loading the fish? Not gut loading, <laughs> but butt loading fish. Hey, hey that, who's, was, that was who's, who's injecting fish? That was no one's fish. You it was were all theorized, <laughs> right? No I, one's. There was no fish harmed in the making of the last podcast. All oh, my ears were burning. <laughs> and then and then Jimmy's off because it's his birthday. He's seventy five years old. Uh, hey. Oh yeah, that's all Rob's too. Okay. I know. And 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 so now we have to go to math class. So between you suck math. Between the airing of this, I was going to say this for later. But between the airing of this podcast or that podcast and this one, uh, we've actually gotten some listener response, and they heard that it was your birthday, <laughs> and they sent in a little bit of money. Oh yeah, right, just to get Jimmy a gift. Now. <laughs> A puppy. Got a puppy. No, it's in the, the white car, right? <laughs> the puppy is. No, no, your gift. Oh, okay. But uh, we got you a uh, walker with tennis balls. You know, has the sliders. <laughs> did you? We did. <laughs> Little rollers, the whole thing. My balls already <laughs> on the ground. I don't need that. So, uh, happy birthday! Yeah. Now that you're back. 
Thank you. And uh, that is on behalf of Discord. So you'll have to take yep. that home with you. We'll have to, they, they insist on getting a picture with you in the walk. Oh, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> I, was, I was late today because my wife bought me a bicycle. And as I was getting into my car to drive the block and a half over here, she goes, well, why don't you take your bicycle? I go, because Uber doesn't go out after nine o'clock. Because <laughs> that's how I have to get home. If I ride a bicycle over here, I have to Uber home. Right. I did not know that uh, DWI is on a bicycle, but oh, you yeah. now inform me. You need a DWI on a horse. Yep. In North Dakota, got one on a horse. Now it happened. Well, I'm not going to ask about your week because I'm assuming cake, bicycles, you're quite entertaining. I got a TV for my birthday for my bathroom. What? Yes. Nice. Yes. Nice. Bentley's going, yeah. Whoa, whoa. And you're talking about butt breathing as being my problem? No. 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 Yes, that, that well, is what, your problem. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What size TV is adequate to shit with? Well, my bathroom, which is off the bedroom, I can only fit a 24-inch, but we did put a 32-inch in Jen's bathroom. <laughs> but we were we were in uh, at a nice hotel at one time, and there was actually a TV in the bathroom. And I thought, this is pretty cool, you know? And you can watch CNN or porn or whatever you're doing in the bathroom. <laughs> it's very convenient. I can already see, you know, this Thanksgiving, like... Uh, you have Boone Wayne and his friends and family, right? Yeah, yep. That they're just going to be in the bathroom the whole time. Everybody will be in the bathroom. Right. We actually have a couple 65-inch TVs, which would probably be more adequate. But if you want to get everybody in to watch a 24-inch in my bathroom, that'd be fun. Wow. So right. it's clearly you're getting the, the cut of my podcast yeah. money as well. How many clowns can you put in a car? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, Adam. Well, Rob's the driver doing? of the car. You ain't going to fit any more in there. That's right. How about your week, Adam? How's, how's your week been? It was okay. <laughs> It was okay. You, you, did you, Jimmy call you and heck you about, you know, butt breathing turtles? No, again? Jimmy was more embarrassed. Was he? Well, he was butt loading something. Not I did not butt load. I said gut loading because Rob's wanted to shove needles full of shit of vitamins in the fish. I did not. I, 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 I said, did no, not. no, no, you pre You know, the only, the, if it wasn't for, for Jenny and for Scrap. <laughs> Keeping keeping the train on the track, it, it, this would have been just a train wreck. But choo choo. But, but the next time, like I said, you two are allowed to have a podcast, but you just can't talk. Okay, deal. All right. Oh, no more podcasts when Jim's not around. Okay. <laughs> All right. Before we How get many to times, did I bring up HR? Uh, not enough. Clearly, about four. Not enough. Exactly. Don't worry. I think like four podcasts from now, we'll have to have an episode with HR so everybody can participate. Oh God. So. Before we get to get too far, we had a quick conversation before the podcast. Now, I've known Jimmy a, a while. I've known Adam a little less, right? But apparently there's this weed that Adam used to have, and we don't know what it is. What we're going to do is we're going to take a picture. We have no clue what it is. Um, Adam has some, like, story on it. He thinks that you, you can't get rid of it, and the only way you can get rid of it is burning it. So any descriptions for us, Adam? Okay, yeah, so... I was told that the only way to get rid of this is to take it, put it in a Ziploc bag, throw it in the garbage, because if it dries out, it comes back. If you freeze it, it comes back. I have frozen it, and it does come back. And that the only other way to kill it is to burn it with fire. And kind of like a hornwort, really. Yeah, I was told it may or may not be illegal, so of course I had to have some. And I may or may not have some in my possession. So you had to get a piece for Jimmy when you sent yes. up the endlers yesteryear, right? The whole meme about the endlers to me. So Jimmy got a piece of it, and you put no light on it in a dark room, and it's still growing. It's Is still growing. Correct? It's still alive. It's still somehow photosynthesizing yeah. out of the pure darkness. I named it Sigmund. 
Sigmund the sea monster. Sigmund it'll outcompete out compete hair algae. It'll yeah, outgrow hair algae. It's a full plant. We're gonna get a picture. We we need Bentley's help to identify this. I mean, to be you know, fair, a lot of plants can outcompete hair algae as long as you're providing what those plants need. Like Pokestamen octopus will beat hair algae all day long. More more than likely, from what you guys have briefly described, it's either some species of milfoil. That, that's what I was going with. It can be uh, a muriophyllum, or the more more commonly, which is like on the U.S. noxious weed list, is parrot feather, uh, which is absolutely horrible as an invasive plant. Like it destroys ecosystems like crazy, and that's part of where I would start leaning is something like parrot feather because it is nigh impossible to kill. Uh, it doesn't care about cold weather. It doesn't care about hot weather. It doesn't care how much you tear it apart because it grows so ungodly fast. Like carp can tear at it. They, it just doesn't care. Uh, it just has shreds that float down its stream system or river system. And then, oh, look, it propagates even further and gets even worse. You're kind of half shaking your head. I pulled up a picture of parrot feather. We'll have to get a picture. We'll put it on Discord. We'll, I got to confirm this. We, we didn't know yeah, what it is. Yeah, we're not real sure what it is. And uh, all we know is that when when the authorities do show up, Adam's going to jail. And <laughs> why do I go to jail? That's a brown man does not automatically go to jail. No, this is Minnesota. Brown man goes to jail. Do no, not pass the poll. Do not collect $200. <laughs> the brown man. And, and you guys, you guys made fun of me because when I brought it up, I literally brought up what was it like? Not even a half inch size. Yeah, it was like yeah. a it was like a piece. It's like you forgot to put it in. It's like it, it was stuck under your shoe there, yeah. and something fell off of it. And I'm, then you guys are like, "Where's the plant?" I'm like, "It's in the bag." I need more. No, you don't. <laughs> well, you're not wrong. That's all. That's all you need. <laughs> that's all you need. I'm a brown man goes to jail, or as I like to call you behind your back, Malibu Ken. Malibu Ken. We can't oh. give it cool names. Oh, I got a cool name for you. Oh, no. Yeah, the Vanilla Gorilla. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Malibu oh, okay. Ken is better than Vanilla Gorilla. Uh, vanilla Gorilla. Yeah. I'm not wearing purple today, Urban Grape Ape. <laughs> okay, so let's get to some questions. Now, um, we have questions. By going to AquariumGuysPodcast.com, uh, bottom of the website, you can email us. You can text message us. You can call us, leave us a voicemail. However, you can go to our, fa our Facebook page, message us. This one happened to come off of Facebook. Hi there. My name is Rich. I, I'm just covering this because I'm making sure we got this on the podcast. My name is Risk. I love podcasts. I love the podcast. Keep them coming. Anyways, I wanted to ask what type of filtration I should use for my biggest aquarium. Nope. We did this one, Adam. You did uh, that one last week. We did this one last I week. I wasn't even here and I know that. Why is it? And it is now checked off. All right. Let's go to the actual questions. Thank you, Rob's. Dummy. Thank you, Rob's. Well, you hold on, hold on. What I want to know, because I, 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 now I'm too curious. What okay, is please. the biggest aquarium? How big? So his his biggest aquarium is 375 gallons, and he was asking if he should do a sump or a fluval um, X6. And either is a great option. I prefer sump. Adam prefers the fluval because you know he's he's that guy. So if you really if you're really 375 gallons, you need like three FX6s. Correct. It's a nice start. We just assumed. <laughs> That you're going to get the adequate amount of filtration for that versus one big sump. So if you're comparing apples to oranges. Or the, or the electric bill. I, 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 mean, I would do what, what Rob says, and um, I would just fill it full of java moss. I don't know. I think you should fill it full of, uh, what did you say? You said you, you wanted to put a sump You were there. just so proud of that. Yeah, put a sump. You can put all different types of filtration. Yeah, and that's what I would walls, do. Uh, moving bed 
is what would be great at that because most beginners overstock and you want to kill that ammonia. I love moving beds and you can get away with that. Do it. And then you can also use it for a quarantine tank. Right. Now, the actual questions. So we have Joanne saying, hi, guys. Wanted to thank you for sharing knowledge and experience in the podcast. I failed badly at my first attempt at having an aquarium and some innocent fish were lost. I'm not one to give up, so I'll dedicate myself and figure out where I went wrong and how to do it right. I checked out a few things on the Internet, and then I found the Aquarium Guys podcast. There's your first mistake. I binge listened to them at work, and it was wonderful, entertaining, <laughs> and informative. It made the work day fly by, Jimmy. Wow. Send us your paycheck, Joanne. Right. Send it to Jim Colby. I am happy to report that I have now cycled a planted five-gallon tank with golden mystery snail, black orchid beta fish. It was a joy to watch the beta. We named him Beta Max, or Max for short, explore his new home. And he's currently working on a bubble nest as we speak. Thank you so much, and I'll see you guys in the next podcast. So, Morning. That's how you end up becoming the editor for the podcast. That's that how exactly it is? What's what happened to me last year. Was... We, we got you, boy. <laughs> so what what was the story? Did you just, like, Google us and poof, and now you're just the best editor in the world? I already had audio skills. I had no fish skills. That was the problem. Well, I'm happy so to trade. the podcast <laughs> came and fixed that. Happy to trade. And it's still the same as it was then. Just with... A lot more turtle butt references. That's right. I message back. Thank you so much for the kind words. We'll be sure to read this on the next episode we record. Okay, cool. I'm making my boyfriend watch the next one with me on Discord. So if you're here, you know, hi, welcome to the Discord. We're doing this live on Discord right now, guys. If you want to join the fun, you can come live. AquariumGuysPodcast.com at the bottom of the website. Click the button. Join the debauchery. Click the damn button. Right. So she's making her boyfriend sit in with us this week and said, oh, I figured you guys would get a kick out of the little tidbit. I work for a cannabis company in Oregon, oh. and I make infused pre-roll joints. So I was making joints while binge listening. LOL. Many thanks and more tanks. That explains why she thought it was good. <laughs> there we go. The contact high of listening to you, Jim. <laughs> Just glad we're the ones that be found. The great vanilla gorilla. <laughs> great vanilla gorilla. Whew, that's a That's a whole lot. I know. I came up with that on my own. Thank you. Sounds like a rejected Hanna-Barbera cartoon. <laughs> Vanilla Gorilla and Malibu Ken. All right. Hi, Robs. Listener from the UK here. I'm halfway through your brackish tank talk and was wondering how I can cycle a brackish tank using cycle sponge from a freshwater tank, or do I have to go through its own cycle with poop in a bottle uh, that's made for aquariums, uh, saltwater aquariums. Thank you and keep up the great work. And uh, from my experience in a brackish tank, I have not bought special poop in a bottle to cycle it. I just use freshwater cycled media for brackish tanks. I, I haven't seen any downside. I haven't seen any you know, time disparities where it somehow takes longer in a saltwater tank or a brackish tank has not been an issue for me. How about you, Bentley? What, what I would say is if for some reason your freshwater media isn't doing the trick, like you just keep testing, right? Um, and you're not seeing some level, like put tiny amounts of fish food in there to create ammonia, right? And test it. If that's not working, then instead of taking just the media, if you have a spare sponge filter, remove it, put it in the brackish tank, squeeze it. Get all the gunk out of the filter, and the that will naturally cause enough for your bacteria to kind of form on its own. Like it, it gives it a biofuel to get that bacteria forming inside the bracket system on its own, and you'll be fine. 
I mean, and there's nothing better than just rinsing out a poop-filled sponge into your tank and going, ha, take that. <laughs> Are you okay, Jimmy? I just don't get you sometimes. You just, you, you like, the, we like saying poop a you lot. You missed a week. I, I was, yeah. I'm thinking I probably should miss more. Shame on you. Well, hopefully that answers your question, mister, from the UK. HR called. Yeah, called? They're tired of your crap. Oh. <laughs> tired of my crap. Um, there is a text message we got for some reason it got yeeted. I don't know why. Thanks to Google voice that was, uh, recording it. I even messaged back. Thank you so much for the kind words. You meant a lot as well. Someone messaged us and it, it said on the bottom that love found the podcast, loved it. Got uh, me and my kid are now doing a project together, uh, set up, a, I think it was like a 55 gallon tank together and it's, you know, they're bonding time together. And then she's put it out. P.S. I don't let my kid watch the podcast. So. We a good listen to the podcast. Yeah, no, it doesn't doesn't listen to the podcast. I'm pretty sure Rob would be considered child abuse in some form. Some hey, states. Our episodes have a split where necessary, sir. I and we use ducks until they ran out. Now it's bleeps. I have a story. What's your story? So on the radio today, I was listening, and apparently now these kids are going to school and they're zooming. And there's been a lot of problems with what is going on behind them as they're zooming into the class. And <laughs> apparently <laughs> one of the, the mothers, <laughs> one of the mothers, one of the mothers of the students was practicing her pole dancing without her top on. No. Behind the child as he's, and she had nothing on top. This had to be on the news. Yeah. And it was on the news this morning and, and she had like a, a, a G string and from what they said is that she was not really very fit either. <laughs> so apparently we had somebody not really fit, topless, in a G-string, working on her pole dancing routine behind the world doing that. I feel like that would be a perfect like advertisement on a naughty website where it just <laughs> says you know doing your part. And then like they make she was in a mask. Like that would have been the perfect COVID ad, you know. Yeah. Doing your part. Is this that the MILF oil you were talking about earlier there, uh, Adam? <laughs> oh, wait. Wrong, wrong, wrong MILF. Yeah, wrong yeah. MILF. No. Yeah. Wrong one. There, there was also uh, parents that had been smoking pot in the background and also uh, a woman uh, vacuuming with a bottle of wine at 9 a.m. 9 a.m.? 9 a.m. At, at, on the uh, the thing. And so, yeah, they had a lot of cool things that were happening in school. So I wish I was back in school. Grandma's the only one I felt bad about was that teacher that had uh, that she witnessed a murder. Oh, <laughs> it was in Florida. Way to bring it down, Adam. Way to bring it down. Wow. There was you didn't hear about this, Jim? No, no. I this teacher heard this arguing in the background of the Zoom call, and she kind of you know put the screen down to let them deal with their stuff. And all of a sudden, it got louder and louder, and the lady started screaming. So she's watching and she's trying to call the cops, and. Guy shoots the girl's mom right there, done, and then ran. Wow! Thanks for bringing us down. On that note, I think I have one last. <laughs> so back to school, kids. One last question. Nope, I, I didn't. That was the same one that got yeeted. So uh, here's to you, Mister Yeeting. Uh, you're from Nashville. Wanted to mention you again as well. I, I, I text us back if you want us to do the, the the question. And if anybody else has questions, we love voicemails. Are our favorite. Because we get to hear your, you know, the whole concept of you talking to us. And it makes us feel better when Jimmy heckles me for doing turtle podcasts without him. 
It'll be okay. You'll be there for the next one, Jimmy. I promise. No, I, no, I won't. If you're lucky, you're allowed to do any podcast after last week. I I, ha- I probably have to to first get Jenny in therapy. <laughs> you know, it, it was like watching The Wizard of Oz. Okay, let me put it this way. Listening. So so we have we have Scrap, who's the all-seeing wizard. And then we got Jenny, who's the beautiful Dorothy. And then we got you two freaking flying monkeys. That's what we got. Just the monkeys? Just two flying freaking monkeys. And, and just jibber jabber. And Adam was the lion because you keep making... You no, know, and you guys didn't even get into main characters. You were the freaking... Exotic references. That's right. Okay. Let's dive into the subject at hand. Bentley, it was a pleasure speaking with you the last couple of weeks, trying to plan back and forth yeah. content. <laughs> so I, I, I have a list when I started the podcast of people trying to reach out to, and there's still people we're trying to get a hold of. Uh, shout out to you, Gary Lang. Please answer your email. <laughs> we'll get you yet, darn it. But... Uh, uh, Bentley, uh, pleasure having you on the show. Thanks again. But uh, we wanted to talk, you know, getting a little emotional with this uh, podcast and talk about what aquariums mean to us. So before we get into too much, because this is also a part interview on you as well, getting to know you more. What got you into this wonderful hobby of ours? We asked this to everybody we guest interview. Sure, sure. So um, I've been in this hobby effectively longer than I can remember. And that's just because of my family. So there's like a there's this picture and I've, I've shown I've shared it somewhere, but I think probably my Instagram where you can see like my uncle holding me as a baby and my my parents in the background and right in front of me is a 125 gallon tank that we had as a kid. And I'm just staring at the fish as a baby. And I've done that ever since I was a kid. I've I've kept fish. My parents have kept fish. My great great grandmother used to breed angelfish back in like the 40s and 50s. So fish have kind of been in our family for a long time. And for me, like fish have always been something I could just sit and stare at and get very, very relaxed and calm. We'll tie in, I promise you, very soon. <laughs> Go until about college. Uh, I had some level of fish tank up until I got into college. And the my at the time, I had lived with my cousin. And we had like a little 56-gallon bow front. And this is the 90s? Yeah, I don't remember. I'm old. <laughs> uh, You're forgiven. If you like the '90s era, bow fronts had really bad seam issues. In oh, the, they still do. I mean, well, they were worse back then. They've gotten a little bit smarter about their manufacturing process, but back uh, then it was guaranteed to fail. Yeah, it's basically guaranteed. It was. It was not. It was not an if. It was a when. And the especially the lower front seams were really, really bad. That's typically where they would blow. So. At the time, we kept predatory cichlids. So we had like a, uh, a Red Devil, a Jack Dempsey, uh, a few other things that were in this particular tank that was basically just like some kind of weird Thunderdome. And it was mostly because my cousin worked for Petco at the time, and he was like, I'll buy, I'll buy all the fish, this is what I want, but you know how to take care of them properly, so help me take care of them. And I got kind of attached to our Jack Dempsey, uh, if only because they have so much character, right? Seam blows, we're both broke he works at petco i'm in college we can't afford to get a tank that's big enough fast enough to save the fish so eventually what we we donated them to a local store that did larger cichlids and uh that was the end of fish for a while but come 2016 the particular job i've been working my contract came to an end i was unemployed and there's a lot of stress surrounding that whole like I work in contract tech. You don't always know how fast you're going to get your next like really stable long-term contract. A lot of times you get short-term contracts that pay really terrible. And I'm a homeowner, right? So 
there's this like inherent paranoia of, am I going to be able to keep my house? I live in Seattle. It's God awfully expensive here. And like puttering around YouTube, just trying to like take my mind off of stuff between some interviews. I came across a video from the YouTube channel, the green machine. And uh, it's a specific video about a aquascape they did called continuity, which is the shallow tank with these beautiful red rocks and a lot of greenery watch that and instantly like every memory i had as a kid of sitting and watching like tetras danios and barbs just like all came flooding back by the next day i've watched three and a half years of their content and i found like four other aquarium youtubers and i was just like yeah i have to have fish back in my life i'm remembering what it was being a kid just staring at fish and instantly feeling stress disappear feeling very relaxed very calm very at ease within a week i had uh, ordered the the fluval flex that's just behind me which for you podcast folks you don't see that but for those who are here in the video chat you can see the little fluval flex behind me and i joined monday at 7 p.m guys central hey, time join live hey. <laughs> and uh within it was like two days after i ordered the flex I'd found a used uh, 135 gallon and had that already at my house before the flex had even arrived in the mail. Cause it, you know, I ordered it online. So it just get delivered. Cause no, I couldn't find them at my local stores. I, and now I've got uh, 23 tanks. Yes. <laughs> you know, so yes. Some, some large number, it fluctuates. Like at one point I was a little over 30 and then I pared down to get some, turn a bunch of tens into 120 and like things like that. Right. Um, getting more gallonage because i do rainbow fish specifically uh so i try to go for bigger tanks because it allows me to have more room for rainbows but the the big thing like when i was getting back into fish even when i had like a a short-term contract for a while i worked for uh, oculus for those who are in the gaming side of things i would get home after work and like how, how can i put this lightly the people who ran parts of their test there had no idea what they're doing so it became extremely stressful on the testers and the test leads. So people like me who worked there, their understanding of how to do proper quality assurance testing was really poor. So it's a very, very stressful work environment. I would come home and I had this like old beat up recliner that sits in one of my two rooms that has most of my tanks. And within 20 minutes, whatever had happened in that day just didn't matter. I just sit and stare at my fish. And eventually like I'd, I had a roommate at the time, and, like I'd fall asleep. You know, I'd get so relaxed, I'd just pass out in my chair. And my roommate would, like, come around, like, an hour later and be like, hey, man, uh, getting ready to cook dinner. Do you, you got anything in particular you need? I'm like, huh? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> just didn't didn't care. Like, totally melts all the problems away. As long as it's warm and edible, make it happen. Yeah, I mean, 90% of the time, the answer ended up being, like, tacos, right? Too like, can go wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, it's one of those things where it's, like, for me, fish has been in my family for a long time. Now, what I keep now versus what I was interested in as a kid is way, way different just because the hobbies changed so much. Like I grew up in the 80s, right? The, the stuff that you could reasonably keep in the 80s is way different than what you reasonably can keep now just because of technology changes or stuff that's come into the hobby that wasn't really in the hobby back then. Shrimp. Yeah, shrimp. That's a great thing. I, I'd never seen a Neo Caradina as a kid. I, I'm still terrible at them now as an adult. So <laughs> Now our minds are all pretty blown. You're saying scrap? I just got my first order of shrimp from Joe. Oh, yeah. JoeShrimpShack.com. Aquarium guys at checkout. Get your 15% <laughs> off. We'll get those plugs I swear plugs there's there. not a mid-roll ad. I swear. 
No, uh, before you continue, so I'm glad that you're taking the normal methodology of when you have one tank, you need more. So <laughs> you've checked that box. That's yeah, a fun oh, yeah. rule with us around here. Well, and sometimes you, you realize that you need less, but you need more oh. gallons. There we go. There. No, because yeah. sometimes you're like, you know, those four 10 gallons aren't bad. But what, but, if that, but what if that rack that holds those four 10 gallons disappears and becomes 120 gallons instead? I love and, it. And where do those tanks disappear? In the other room, and they get set up again. Yeah. In, in my case, <laughs> they, they ended up on, like, my front porch and are still there. <laughs> That's just a tank waiting to be reset up. It misses you. Uh, we'll see. Like, you, every, you know, it's like as you get through your, 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 your fish life, right? Your the tank sizes you value the most really change. Like I loved when I first kind of got back in the hobby, I loved like the 20 long and the 10 gallon. And now I'm like, well, those tanks are nice, but you know, 40 breeders are way better. There's a lot more you can do with them. I can do so much more in a 40 breeder. And it takes up kind of the same amount of space. Kinda. What inspired you to do content creation on it? Like you come home, you have a hard day. You're dealing with shit-handed <laughs> Oculus. <laughs> Can you say shit-handed Oculus? Uh, HR is not here. They're at oh, 7 okay. p.m. They're they're cut off at 4:30. So you come home, you relax, you eat some tacos, and then you're like, you know what? This feeling, I have to share this with other people. Is that what happened? I don't think I've actively talked about this so far in the recorded portion. No, I have. I have. I used to work in radio. Uh, deep down, there is a part of me that loves some level of entertainment and or education. In the case of fish, it's more education. So like when I was a kid, okay, I played, I played a lot of sports despite being a big guy. And I played a lot of competitive video games. So like I did competitive fighting games as a kid. A lot. I would go to tournaments and arcades, all sorts of stuff. I have this really, really strong competitive streak in me, uh, which nowadays is basically fulfilled by fantasy football. Yeah, the, for those that can't sell, like, I'm from Seattle. I love my Seahawks, and don't say anything else. It's all right. We're okay with that in Minnesota. God, we're, we're insane people in Seattle. We're all uh, the 12 fan. Yeah, pretty much. It, 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 we're, we're a very crazy fan base. How to put this? Part of the way of, like, finding competition in the aquarium hobby, there's kind of two routes you can take. You can either try to, like, be that person who wants to like breed the most whatever or or try to find your way to like make the most money doing fish there's there's people who have that kind of like competitive bent and there's other people like me who basically decide that your your only competition is yourself and you're at this continuous pace to get better and better at what you do no matter what it is it's like trying to achieve perfection but perfection doesn't exist so you're you're never getting off this climb right in my case, it tends to be plants. I am, I'm a, for my local club, so I'm a member of the Greater Seattle Aquarium Society. We have a really, really robust horticulture awards program. Well, within three years, I went from being just starting the program to being the person who's achieved the most points in the history of the club since the 70s. Wow. Because I'm that psychotic when it comes to competing with myself. <laughs> So, I, I know we're the Minnesota Aquarium Society. I know there's you guys, a, have a, you guys have a really good plant program, actually. Yeah, we, we have a breeder program on top of it. And, you know, we need more people to participate. We uh, we've talked with uh, our current uh, champion, uh, Andrew Henderson. There's a lot of different uh, breeds, a lot of dedication, but uh, you just like to see more of those people, you know, use themselves as a self point system in, in those situations. I think that's a great description. 
the way that the way that I look at it is like you you eventually competing with under other people only will give you so much satisfaction because eventually you can do what I did. And like in a certain period of time, you can just overtake everyone else who's 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 trying if you're that aggressive. Once you're at the top, who do you have to beat? Only yourself. So if you start at the very beginning going, I'm just going to keep doing this until I hit a level to where I don't know that I can learn much more. I basically just have to experiment and figure stuff out. That's kind of when an earworm came in. I had done a couple of small videos documenting a few things, basically documenting for myself and and showing some friends. And I talked to a bunch of people. And the one thing I noticed when I would peruse YouTube is that certain things are not well represented on YouTube. Uh, and, and in a lot of things, honestly, but YouTube's kind of like the strongest thing for most visually oriented fish content, right? Right. There's lots of, there's lots of great podcasts. And it's the great price, I'm you know, it's, it's, it's free. Yeah, to, it does come, uh, it does come at a reasonable, <laughs> a reasonable entry point for those who want to watch. You don't have uh, to pay Nat Geo on your cable plan, you know? <laughs> Depends on how serious you decide to get. So the, the thing I noticed is like, there's not really good plant education out there. There's plenty of people who want to sell you plants and will tell you just enough about a plant to make you want to buy it. But they won't tell you how to propagate that plant and how to make money off that plant. And at this point, like I was, I was between a couple contracts when I started doing this and I had been part of how I was supplementing my income to pay bills is I was selling a ton of aquarium plants. And at one point, they, so like I had a, a, I started doing a series called Plants for Profit. And this is really where I started getting more into YouTube. Uh, it was basically preaching my philosophy that breeding for profit is for suckers because you can make more money and sell more plants than you ever can fish. And the difference is the cost is so significantly lower on plants and the requirements are so much lower on plants that the ceiling is significantly higher and the floor is significantly lower. So it's much easier to be profitable on plants than it is with fish. And I think I did like my second video right as I was going to a local, uh, basically swap meet for they they did they used to do before before the great human malware, uh, they they used to do like two or three kind of aquarium swap meets a year in my area, and the you know you could get a table to sell stuff for twenty five bucks. It's like well I can sell twenty five dollars worth of plants in the first five minutes I'm there, so I purposely like really overgrew all my plants spent like almost a day trimming everything go into this after i'd made my my second video is a like proof case of that plants for profit works finished that first event and i'm walking home after buying stuff with 600 profit in my wallet nice i'm not getting into plants i was and to to note like this plant swap was only open for five hours so if you do your math right as a salesperson I'm making well over a hundred an hour because I'd probably bought about a hundred dollars worth of stuff while I was there. Plus my table fee. Plus if you account my cost for having a meal, cause it happened during lunchtime and having appropriate things to drink while I'm there to stay hydrated and talk with people and all that kind of, all that kind of nonsense. And at this point, I think I have like 200 subscribers. It's a very, very small amount. And it's only because uh, a guest that you've had, Alex uh, from secret history had come and done a tour of my house ahead of time and that you know that put me from like 100 to 200 subscribers so i'm like you know it's like basically doubled my channel which was really nice and then you knew that you're going to be doing plants and at that moment sharing content on youtube 
Right. It very much that was kind of the thing where it, it not only proved something that I knew was true, but I have a direct thing that shows. And, and I'd been at that point selling even minorly while doing all the stuff, trying to like get myself into my next appropriate work gig and stabilize things. You know, I was selling 100 to $150 worth of plants a weekend, just just selling them via Craigslist, Facebook, and OfferUp. Well, it sounds like the next step in your plan is uh, to write a book. We followed this trend with other experts and just book. The thing is, talk to Amazon publishers. I don't think I don't think books are. I'm not a person who reads for enjoyment. But then you can name everything like Axel Rod I did, and just make sure that there's last names on things. (sighs) Yeah, see, I don't care that about that part though. the The thing is, what I love the most about YouTube and what I've I've changed is. I could have used YouTube in in some way to be like other businesses that are out there and just as an advertising wing, right? If you watch enough YouTube, you instantly know you can think of two, three, four, five, however many really like a handful in an instant that know their YouTube channel is mostly their marketing, right? I could have gone that route. I don't like that route. It's no fun if you're the only person that's really good at something. So if you educate all of those around you, you get them better and better and better. You can create that subtle feeling of competition that can keep driving you to keep pushing yourself. So I use YouTube to educate because I'm tired of seeing people who will like go to even even places that I like to buy stuff from and will buy the same plant over and over and over again because they keep failing with it because they're not given the right information to be successful. So if my goal is to make them successful, it's not necessarily because I'm trying to like kill some business for somebody. It's more because I want to see people get into this hobby more to the way that I appreciate it. You're inspiring the soulful passion of your hobby to other people. And that's how you get your reward from this. I mean, honestly, part of it. That's, a, that's a big part. Like a, a big part is anytime you see it, I mean, like you had the comment you read at the start of the show where I, I love the show. I, I work rolling joints, you know, <laughs> like, which oh, great, say, for, for those that are for those that are in that jam, that's got to be a pretty decent job. Shout out to Joanne. Yeah, way to go. Call me. But, I'll, I'll come to but, Colorado. Like I think I think about it like this, right? If you're doing something you really love, you want to see more people into it. We're in an incredibly like niche hobby. Fish keeping, especially in the United States and Canada, is really small. Especially if you look compared to like Europe or uh, anywhere in like Southeast Asia. Germany's got us licked, man. Yeah, I mean, Germany just has been kicking us in the teeth for an eternity. But the thing is, we can do better because we can look at all like there's tons of scientific studies out there. The Plymouth University, a few others that prove like keeping an aquarium lowers the stress and anxiety in your life, period. It's it, it lowers your heart rate. It lowers your blood pressure. It's incredibly good for people that have a numerous mental health issues for helping stabilize them. They're, they're using it a lot now with Alzheimer's patients. Well, I think we can actually begin now with the uh, dive. We, we really got the, the, the idea of really what inspires you, at least the YouTube channel, the content, how you got into it. Um, 
but as far as what it does for all of us, there, there's a, a pile of ways. The biggest one that we can all pick on that you hammered home is that just stress relief, zen-like feel of getting lost in your tank. And I even have a roommate that all he does is uh, – all he does. I, I don't want to underput him. His major is documentary films. He's a film expert and tries to do different uh, – um, types of films and he gets lost in tanks he comes downstairs when he needs to recuperate and go to my basement my fish lair and just sit down for 20 30 minutes and just wow that was refreshing and goes upstairs he never really grasped on to how good that was for him until he lived with me now he's my roommate loves it and he keeps joking that he's going to set up his own tank in my basement as well i mean that that's what gets you in but the uh the numerous benefits that we can even begin to list now on the podcast that uh, we've done research on. You said Alzheimer's was a big one. Yeah. it's uh, My wife is a nurse and uh, they are using it with Alzheimer patients uh, a lot more. And it's actually hit some of their, um, what do you say? Books is hitting, you know, it's part of their study. It's part of their language now is, is how to help these people as best you can. And, and with Alzheimer patients, they've been putting a lot of tanks in these different places, as we know, in all the different clinics and whatnot. And um, it has been very beneficial for them. I mean, people have been doing in like nursing homes and whatnot, you know, like those aviaries or those little bird cages. I don't really know how you would describe those. They look like two giant closets put together and it's enough space for birds to fly across. Yeah, there's in our local hometown, there is, um, they have it full of uh, finches. Where my wife used to work at, they had one there, and I'd go upstairs, and there'd be 20, uh, 15, 20 people sitting around in their wheelchairs watching these birds. And these birds are, you know, they're letting them breed. They're having baby birds and whatnot, and they have them all named. And this is a source of entertainment and uh, calming for the residents of the nursing home. So you've done a pile of uh, homework. We've talked about this, uh, what now, for three, four weeks back and forth going, uh, prepping for the, the program. That sounds right. <laughs> well, again, we you were saying you work 60-hour weeks, and I've been uh, juggling with Jimmy throwing stuff at me and disappearing for other podcasts. But what, was, uh, what were some of the other topics People you wanted me. to mention? There's a lot of studies that have shown just generically how it helps. Aquariums can help with stress uh, and, and anxiety. And the big thing is because there's documented and noticeable differences when people observe aquariums for any period of time. So that's usually, you know, five minutes plus where your blood pressure and your heart rate decrease. High blood pressure is usually linked to stress or anxiety. Same with heart rate. If those are decreasing, that's really, really good. Beyond just like an example with Alzheimer's patients, we'll start, what we're seeing now is a lot of therapeutic uses of aquariums and, and sometimes just water in general. Water has a very calming effect on human beings with kids with autism or people with uh, some, time of, some type of like PTSD, some kind of serious uh, emotional trauma. A, a great example, there's a, a program in Canada, and I'm, I'm forgetting the name. I had something somewhere. <laughs> I think it's part of the notes. Are you talking about the uh, therapeutic uh, tanks? Yeah, so there's there's two different ones. There's there's one that's just generic that's not purely tied to the military, um, where they're giving tanks to people with either mental health issues, primarily PTSD, and they're using that as an emotional support. So kind of like how you would have an emotional support animal, a proper one, not that like the lady that brought the peacock on the damn plane. There's some, there's some horrible ones out there, but like real actual emotional support that's helpful. In Canada, there's a, a 
program that one of my actual subscribers is a part of will they'll bring former soldiers that were on deployment they'll take them out fishing and they'll just they'll take them out into remote areas get them around water get them in somewhere where all you have to do is just relax and let go and enjoy nature and fish and a lot of those guys because a lot of the people that are the volunteers that help with this program they're all aquarium keepers it's, it's, I think the, the gentleman who was telling me this about this program, there's something like 75% of the guys that volunteer for this program all actually keep aquariums on the side. And they, they'll encourage the soldiers they're working with to look into having a home aquarium because a lot of these guys are former military and have their own like you know personal demons. And aquariums are part of what has helped them get past those things. So you get, you get programs like this, right, where they're, they're using a part of known science that's out there where we're talking about that, getting rid of that anxiety, getting rid of that stress and applying it to significantly harder trauma cases. Kids with autism, right? right. You have all this, it's really easy to a great example. My, my significant other, my lady, as I like to call her, her nephews and niece are all autistic. And they, for the very recently, for the first time, they, they got to come up to our home and they had been hearing for like, a year was what it feels like because of all the stupid COVID crap about all the fish tanks that I keep. And the, the eldest of the three kids is really, really likes fish, but has never had a fish tank at home. Kids with autism, a lot of them tend to get very easily, um, the sensory input just goes on overload. It's really easy with autism. And it's, it's hard to understand if you don't like either interact with kids with autism or have autism yourself, what, what that overload really means. But it can cause like these real serious meltdowns. Well, one of the kids was kind of getting really ramped up uh, because of my my dog, whom you've probably heard barking in the background, because <laughs> he's super excited when he meets kids. He loves kids. Well, we we put the dog away. We take him into the room with all the fish tanks, calm, like literally like flicking a light switch, just zeroed in on one of the first tanks, and stared at it for about ten minutes. This little girl, like, and she's she's never done this before. She's never been around fish tanks. She's pretty young. She's only, uh, I think she's five, if I remember right. She's staring at it. And we're sitting there and we're showing kind of each of the fish. And like, even though we're kind of like, oh, hey, Zyra, come look at, come look at it. Just zeroed in on this one tank. I finally like, do you want to feed the fish? Bam. Big smile. Happy. Excited. But in, in very controlled excited. Not over, not over rambunctious or anything like that, which is, can happen really easily with kids with autism. Well, after, after I'd had this experience, right, and they, they spent their time at the house and they, they eventually left. And my, my lady sister was like, I, I might have to get a fish tank. And I was like, if you want a fish tank, you let me know. I'll pay for it. I'll get you everything you need. If it helps you have an aquarium at home for your kids, I'll do that happily. That'll be my gift to them. So I started doing research after this had happened and found there's tons of links where they're using new therapy or uh, places like the Georgia Aquarium, for example, certified under a special certification that defines that their staff and the way that it, all the architecture and everything is designed is good for people with autism. It is designed to help people with autism remain calm, be relaxed, be able to enjoy themselves, which a lot of places aren't like that because you'll get loud noises or what have you that can cause sensory overload. Whereas being around water, seeing fish swim, it's inherently soothing to people. Even those who have a mental condition that spikes even the, what we would deem as the smallest things in the world to an extreme, Susan. And it's like, it, it literally, sometimes it's, it's like snapping your fingers, how fast it can happen. It's incredible to see. I just recently read that 
one of the national aquariums, and I can't remember which one it was, I wish I would have paid more attention, where they're allowing people, autistic children especially, to come in at night, spend the night sleeping on the floor next to the, the, the big aquarium. And what a great thing it is for these kids to be able to, first of all, have a nice outing like that, and it's very calm. And of course, you've got adults here, you know, watching to make sure everything, you know, goes well. But I mean, what would you rather have your, your child doing? Would you rather have them on Redland and paying out that outrageous amount of money that you have to and not knowing if it works or not? Or would you rather spend, you know, a hundred bucks on an aquarium and uh, putting that child in front of there for a little bit and letting them, you know, unwind? It and again, the Ritalin's not even for autism. That's the ADHD, a ADHD, lot of different, yes, symptoms, exactly. uh, different symptoms. So I got two stories that uh, correlate directly. I did not know this, right? This was not privy knowledge to me. I did not get some sort of feed that notified me that this was a, a case study. So I, it didn't even recognize because I don't have a lot of friends and family that have d issues with autism. The only uh, times I've ever dealt with it is in, in certain circles and generally at public places, church, I have to help uh, a family with something or um, someone would request a quiet zone. Again, I, I, as person that's never dealt with it, really can't recognize that whole sensory overload. Rob is an extreme extrovert. His life is chaos. That's just very foreign to me. I had a mother reach out to me. I think her kid was about six years old and is just escalating a lot of these oversensory symptoms panic attacks in the middle of the night, screaming, uh, outfits, uh, just outbursts all the time. And it just kept getting worse as he aged. And I, I was uh, actually at our local thrift store in town and saw her at the thrift store. She was looking at fish. You know, I was like, I need to try to find something. We, we can't get a cat or dog because he also has like muscle muscle, like cerebral palsy. I'm assuming is what she was meaning where she'll grab the dog and hurt him. Not, not because he wants to, because it's involuntary. So they need something else as a relief. And doctor said, well, try any type of pets, maybe a hamster or a fish. Uh, who knows what will work? So she was there trying to get it. I, I got her an aquarium. I said, here's this. Take these fish with you. Here's some recommendations. She contacted me back and how did they get things uh, uh, set up and addressed. And she's just in tears. She said, I've never seen my kid Literally, like we flipped a switch. If he's ever having a bad time, it's in his room. If he wakes up in the middle of the night, he just opens up, looks at the blue light of the aquarium, and it completely changed their life, bar none. Just completely uh, fixed any, not outbound issues, because again, he still has the condition, but fixed all of the distress that comes with that sensory overload, that comes with the, the, the fits, and just essentially turned it all off whenever or whenever they have a problem and can lead him right to his room to his fish. It's uh, something that I've never really witnessed until that moment. And then seeing all these, like you said, at the aquariums, this is actually happening across the nation. Zoos are doing it. Um, not only they're seeing just the extra revenue come in for renting out some of their spaces to parties that may want to have like a birthday party sleepover at the zoo or aquarium, but they're seeing these sessions really work for kids. You know, for anybody out there listening who's in an aquarium group like the, the like Minnesota has, like like Seattle has, hey, bring this up in your next meeting. All of us have got an extra tank. How about we donate our extra tanks to people that can use them for therapeutic? I mean, what a great deal would that be if you're a, a mom with autistic children, if if you are a serviceman with PSTD, and and you get yourself a, a tank for free. And you're helped out by the Aquarium Society. I think that would be a great thing for everybody to get behind and, and push forward. 
clearly it works. I mean, it might not work for everybody, but if it has that drastic results on even our cases that we've seen firsthand, there must be more. So let me give you one more example of something uh, slightly different, but tied to a similar thing. Wonderful. So in the Greater Seattle Aquarium Society, we have a philanthropy program where we'll do, um, whether it's sponsoring some of the, the charitable events like Project Piaba or something like that, but we also have a Tanks for Teachers program where we purposely are trying to put fish tanks provided where everything's provided by the club into schools. Well, we recently got contacted by someone who's out on the, the peninsula of Washington, which is a little more, a little more rural, a little more remote. And there's a teacher out there, which could prove because he's been keeping track of this. He's a science teacher. And ever since he started keeping a fish tank and teaching kids in his biology classes by using a fish tank with typically guppies, but he's done it with some other fish too, teaching them about like genetics and how raising things can occur and babies and all kind of stuff from a like animal biological perspective. The overall grade point averages, not just in the science class, but overall of all students who interact with that tank in one class regularly throughout their years at this school increased by over a full grade point. So if they were previously C students, they were at a very minimum B student after interacting around a fish tank daily as a part of their school time. Now, that's incredible because I was watching, uh, what was it, two years ago? I think it was about two, three years ago. They did uh, – somebody actually donated a bunch of money to see if this would work. No, no. Uh, this was done a couple times. It was in recently, but it was also done in that movie. I think it was called Freakonomics where they, they have a hardcore belief that everything in life is done by incentive. So if you're a salesperson, you're incentivized by the bonus. If uh, you want to move forward in life, it's incentivized by what you can do for yourself, your family, and your circle. So they thought that, hey, let's go to big public schools and let's hand everybody, uh, I think it was 50 bucks or 100 bucks every report card. And if you can keep your grades above, I think it was B minus, I think it was the the measurement, just above um, passing, because I think you know a minus C is passing. If you could keep your grades to that level, they would literally hand you either a hundred bucks or fifty bucks every report card, and they had report cards regularly, and they saw no improvement, like not really much improvement across the board. For it's it's no improvement, negligible on reports, but yet something like this. An entire grade that that's incredible to me. So this particular teacher has been doing this for over a decade and he's tracked it the whole time. And it's not just science. It's not just math. It's English. It's every class that these kids participate in. You can see their grades the year before and the grades starting the years where they start being in the classroom around the fish tank. And there's a noticeable improvement. I like you would think if it was like, okay, just science class, you're just a good teacher. Math, that's eh, loosely associated with science. If you're good at science, you're probably decent at math. You're probably just a good teacher. You're improving the way they think. But when it improves English and a lot of your other programs, history grades from a science class, there's something different happening here. And the, it, the teaching staff hasn't really changed. The curriculum has only changed as much as how the standard curriculum has changed across the nation. The only common factor fish tank 
I can speak this. We we talked about this in the podcast before. When I was in elementary school, I went to a private church school, and it was I'm gonna guess 15 in the classroom. They were all mixed grades, and we had. Uh, I didn't think it was an issue, but again, I was probably the loudest student crossing most of the, the ruckus as well. You still are. I still am. So we always did a theme every year that we would base upon all our lessons off of geography of a certain main um, continent. So Asia was that year's continent. I'm like, hey, you know what would be a great idea? I'm a, I'm a fish nut. Can we please get goldfish and koi in the classroom? And the teacher's like, what? No. Like, please, I'll help pay for it, whatever, whatever's necessary. So, you know, I collected pennies, that type of thing. And it ended up that the teacher paid for it all. And we got a kiddie pool with goldfish in the middle of the classroom. Comet, big comet goldfish. Uh, there's a lot of repercussions and stories with that. Uh, one tangent, the floors were heated. Didn't know that. They started breeding in front of us in class, and it was a continual splash fest. But even with all the distractions, fish splashing, breeding, the whole thing, the one thing she continually noticed is she actually kept a distraction card at her desk. And every time she actually saw someone make a distraction and kill productivity in the classroom, because we're all in the same classroom, she would make a note of it. Not just this is just what she did as her own practice being a good teacher. Then we put the fish in and for her, her record was a third of what anything else was. If any kid got distracted or was about to create a ruckus, oh, the fish made a splash. I'm going to look down there. Oh, that's right. Go back to my schoolwork. And it was just the biggest um, good distraction the class could have had. It stopped other people from making a ruckus, and it was its own peaceful zen, almost like I still to this day listen to you know that chill youtube track i think they call it the vapor wave on youtube just to have light sound in the background maybe water running that white noise that uh pond really represented that for us and it's still going today still there it's been there for i think now 18 years yep still I, going i i recently was just over there with um our friend ty who does tank maintenance he does tank maintenance for the school they have a saltwater aquarium and they still have that kiddie pool it might be a different kiddie pool by now let's hope but it's still in the same darn spot because rob and i had this conversation before and they still have it and uh, i mentioned the story to her about it and she goes yeah it's been here forever yeah they they leave it run through the summer i mean it uh, doesn't change temperature because again it's floor heat so it's the same temperature all year long who knows how many times they bred but uh definitely uh matches those same results yes that's fantastic i think one of the best ways to get people into the hobby is right for them to see stuff like that as a kid but more importantly when you can get the people to more actively embrace it is when they can hear those kind of stories think about you have aquariums they cut down on distractions they cut down on you know maybe things that would prevent you from being better at your grades because maybe that's all it is is that that distraction difference is the difference between that grade point that occurs, right? You did that better focus because, oh, it's, I kind of glanced at the fish for a few seconds instead of, you know, pestering Jimmy over here beside me. Or, or. I think that fish tank helps. Hey, well, you know. Rob's a little distracted. He, he's a just, little? Yeah. So I, I mean, was, you gave the man cake. cake. Yeah. That's why that's, I gave him cake and I also have a shot collar around him. Yeah. Right? I got, I got diabetes. I grew up with a kid on Ritalin and uh, I was never like, they have they used to call it adhd add i had the add continually distracted and the way it can describe it for people like you, you accurately describe sensory overload for us trying to give us a, a small picture the whole add concept if you really have it you feel like a television and the channel's always changing 
you want to focus on something, even if it's something like you can really enjoy, unless you want to put your hard effort into it, your channel's changing and you have no control of the remote. So having something just lightly in the background, like my music I listen to, uh, writing myself notes, there's always band-aids, but the best band-aid is having that, you know, eye candy distraction that if I'm going to go somewhere, I'm not going to go far. I'm going to go right there. You had something else, Jimmy. You well, have, you brought papers. I'm so I, proud I brought of papers you. because my, my wife's a nurse and she was pulling stuff up today and we're talking about what we're going to talk about tonight. And I just wanted to read something here. Um, uh, a couple of things that, that I didn't even realize. They've done studies where you are in the dentist office and actually the calming effect of the aquarium will reduce the amount of pain. And I'm not sure how they measure it, but they've measured the amount of pain that people feel when they're going through the dentist and stuff. And, and that's why they, you know, have all these different uh, tanks in, in the different places. But what I wanted to read real quick is it says calming effect for children and Alzheimer patients. Though fish tanks provide visual stimulation that might boost your focus and creativity, they can also have a very calming effect. The particular benefit has been observed in children and hyperactivity disorders as well as Alzheimer's patients. In one study conducted at Purdue University, the presence of fish, of a fish tank you know, uh, at home improved mood, alertness, and actually the appetite of Alzheimer's patients, which is a big thing, which I didn't realize that that's a lot of people that, with Alzheimer's have increased appetites and then they actually will go downhill a little bit faster. You know what? What? That's what I'm gonna blame my weight on. There I'm fat because I have aquariums. That's right. And, and I, I don't think the aquariums have anything to do with it. Yeah, it might be the chocolate cake in your hand there. I smell pizza. Yeah, and, and it also reduces the amount of aggressive behavior in Alzheimer's patients. Children who struggle with behavior issues may find a tank calming. It may improve in concentration and sleep. And with extra sleep, people are better behaved. And there, there's been all kinds of studies there showing too. So if, you, if you're getting better sleep- That's why you're crabby at me when you came to the podcast. No, be, enough sleep. because I was in HR today because of you guys. That's why I was crabby. <laughs> so anyway, you know, there's a lot of people, a lot of studies out there that, that, are, that are doing this. And I just think it's amazing how we have not ever focused on this before. Now, we've only talked about some examples of, you know, effects on, on humans. And you know, we even talked about all the tools for kids. So we talked about kids with autism, different conditions. Any healthy child has distractions. And clearly, this is something that can be used. There's plenty of studies for that. But also, if you're a parent, this is a wonderful tool. Any pet that can, can be used as a tool, but nothing so rigorous. If you forget to feed the dog, He'll probably go a week without food. If you don't train the dog right, he's still going to be there and do his best. The aquarium, you can certainly get hardy fish, but you're trying to create your own slice of nature. It has its own rules. You try to master it, but you can't change those rules. And for that, and a kid, a kid learning the responsibilities of keeping a tank, the reward of education and seeing their knowledge before them really reward them with either breeding or fruitful plants or a great looking tank is the best lesson I can figure out for a kid besides don't uh, stick that in the uh, electric socket. Really? You can look at me on that one. You didn't even see that coming? No. Oh. No, I mean, apparently <laughs> even gave me I would say perhaps the better lesson might be, you know, don't be a fool, wrap your tool, but. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I'm just thinking people are listening to this and they're so calm and relaxed, they're going to drive off the road in the ditch. <laughs> no, no, Bob Roth, man. Come on. Just Joanne. She's she's rolling some joints right now. Joanne will definitely drive off the road. 100%. I hope she's listening. And I hope she sends us an email and tells us we're a bunch of douchebags. I think that'd be fun. Well, I mean, there's also other ones uh, that we haven't messaged because this is, again, what 
aquariums mean to us. And I hope people listening that don't have aquariums or just getting into this hear this because this really gives a small window, at least for, you know, an hour and something podcast of what these mean to us. It's not just, oh, cool, we have a fish tank. It's just another hobby we do. No, it's a part of our lives. We've accepted that. And these are hard reasons why and effects that are changing other people's lives. Yeah. These these tanks are not put in um, dentist office into your doctor's offices just because they're cool, but they do have benefits for the average person. So uh, just a couple others that I had on the list is, of course, you know, camaraderie, we, the, the fish clubs, the networking. Everything has the human element. Uh, I I don't have a ton of friends in the area. I got Jimmy. I got Adam. Adam's that, like six hours south. That's pushing it. I mean, but there's still a, really a network even in our, you know, Bunk 2 area, Fargo, yep. you know, area. But the amount of connections, the conferences that, you know, COVID's prevented have been wonderful for a lot of different people. But even now, um, moving stuff online, talking about doing conventions online, they just had pandemonium done online for businesses. So camaraderie, second to none. And then, of course, the slice of nature conservation. But what other details or topics we missed, Bentley, do you think uh, is worth noting? So first, the, the first thing I want to talk to you, we we touched on PTSD um, and, and soldiers. And I specifically, now that I've, I've pulled up my resource, uh, just because I want to give this this organization a little love, it's therapeutictanks.org. This is actually a specific program that works with soldiers with PTSD by providing them everything they need to start an aquarium in their home to help as a coping and soothing mechanism to deal with their PTSD after deployment. And we'll also have that in the podcast show notes, so you can just, just click right there. It's a cool organization, and I mean, they're they're involved. Um, they've got some really good sponsors, like uh, Red Sea and, and Bulk Reef Supply are also part of like kind of sponsoring them some. But it's a it's a very very cool program. Definitely check it out if you get a chance. One thing that we haven't touched on that I think matters. There's a lot of people, and and I know some who are, are fans of various YouTube channels and I've talked to, whether it's in a live stream chat or they contacted me on Facebook, whatever it might be. There are a lot of people who have some kind of health condition that prevents them from being able to do something like go out and take a hike, go out into nature. But keeping an aquarium is an opportunity to bring nature to them, to be able to interact with nature in some way, shape or form when you normally could not can also be something very, very helpful to people. Uh, I look at every tank I put together as my opportunity to build a small little ecosystem. And I care very much about making sure that it is a functioning ecosystem, even if it's manufactured. Like, I'm not trying to rep replicate, this is exactly what happens in this one river in this spot here. You know, I just want something that is appeasing to me, but at the same time, like there are plants there to help keep the fish healthy, to help produce extra forms of beneficial bacteria there's snails in there there's different types of fish that all serve different jobs i build this because i want that little slice of nature i work so much that i'm not going out on a hike i mean i'm a big guy too so it's not like i'm, I'm amped to go hiking up a mountain or something <laughs> i'll leave that to my kid brother but go down but, the mountain easier well, you know, force equals mass times acceleration. And when you there have you too go. much mass, you accelerate oh, too much. Good. You're not stopping. I'm getting funny <laughs> thinking about this. <laughs> but you, you get this opportunity to bring nature to yourself. You might not, like, be on that conservative, like, we have to protect nature mentality until you start bringing it home. 
and you start enjoying it more and more, you start realizing how important some of these precious things in the world are. And that if there is not some level of protection, they will be gone. You know, I love rainbow fish. And basically every rainbow fish out there is on some level of potential extinction because where they come from, especially the ones that are all in the uh, Papua New Guinea out in, in the, <laughs> as opposed to the Australian ones, the Australian ones are slightly safer. They're in a third world country. This is a place where they're actively looking at ways to get more food fish, not ornamental fish, into their lakes. And those food fish kill all the rainbow fish. Or they're destroying a lot of the natural forested regions around to make palm farms because it's the most profitable thing they can do. But by doing that, they're destroying everything that makes some of these fish that we value in this hobby able to continue to live in the wild. So there are some of them that are extinct in the wild. And the only reason that they are not completely extinct is because of hobbyists, because of people like us who keep aquariums and keep these fish. I have some in my, my fish room downstairs, the, the Chalatharina centaniensis, the, the Lake Centani rainbow. They're extinct in the wild. They're gone. The only reason they exist is because of hobbyists. And they've been trying through the hobbyists to reintroduce them into the wild now that they've steadily worked with the local tribes around Lake Centani to help curtail back some of the things that have made those fish go extinct in the first place. And there's several other cases that are like this. Uh, the, the emerald rainbow, the Glossolapis wanamensis, is in the same case. They introduced tilapia into the lake there. It killed nearly every wanamensis that lived. The last time they did a major collection back in 2005, they found 80 pairs of fish. Not harvested. That's how many they could find in the whole lake. And the lake is huge. And they've steadily had to re-breed them in captivity and slowly reintroduce them in waves to get them back out of extinction status, and they're still critically endangered only because of the captive bred population. You know, we've talked about it over and over on this podcast about how some people are still totally against us keeping fish. But on the flip side, if it wasn't for the hobbies keeping some of these fish, they would be gone in the wild. You know, we've talked about about the, the different people in the pet industry that have, have uh, introduced all these fish in, to... Uh, the general public and how the general public uh, now is seeing less and less fish out there because the Walmarts of the world and, and, the, and the different mom and pop stores have gone out of business. And so if you're not seeing the stuff in front of you, you don't think about it. If you don't talk about it, you don't have the conversation. Then all of a sudden a fish goes extinct and, and nobody cares. Nobody hears about it. So it's because of the hobbyists that, that we're going to get through this and restock the lakes eventually someday down the road. There's been uh, some programs that uh, Jim Cummings told us about uh, reintroduction in some areas, but it's few and far between. It's going to be uh, our tanks. It's going to be that, uh, you know, Bentley's basement that's going to preserve these things, and hopefully we can make more basements. They just had an article in uh, Amazonas about reintroducing uh, one of the Skifka species into Mexico again. One of the one of the Mexican live bears, and they said oh, that they've great. been doing good. And they're going to try with another one now. Like one of the biggest things you run into from a scientific perspective is teaching those captive bred fish how to survive native predators. You know, when you're doing, say, like salmon or trout, which are done in massive numbers for, for stocking lakes and stuff, they don't teach them how to survive predators. So the survival rates are extremely low, like 1% or less of all of the fish they release. They'll release, release two, 300,000 fish and, you know, 
two or three thousand of them survive to spawning season. Whereas yeah. we we can't do those kind of numbers with ornamental fish. So it it becomes this very interesting game where from the the perspective of those people like me who I wouldn't have cared about any of this before I got back into the hobby. And that's four years ago. Four years ago, I was not armed with the knowledge I am now, and I wouldn't have cared about some random lake in Indonesia, right? I wouldn't have cared. I'd have been your your proper, like, dumb white American, be like, eh, it's not a lake near me, who cares? But now, it brought fish back into my life. It brought nature back into my home. And I look at these things, and I the first thing I can think of is, how the hell do we save this? Because I don't want just me to enjoy this. I want kids... You know, I want my nieces, I want my nephews, I, I want their kids to be able to enjoy the same thing I enjoy. I want my 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 ladies, like autistic nephews and niece to be able to enjoy these when they're adults. But if we don't, though, the few of us that are willing to start acting in some fashion, it doesn't have to be a lot. Sometimes it's just small enough to to keep that hobby going to show all those beneficial effects to get more people interested and then teach them like, well, here's this one fish that not only are you now protecting something that doesn't exist in nature or is critically threatened in nature, but it's also helping you enjoy yourself and feel better at the same time. You can do two things at once. And the more that we can bring that into more people's lives, the better chance we have for those of us who super care about conserving nature in some way, shape or form to make real impacts on actually doing that thing. It starts with one person. One person being passionate and vocal enough can inspire more. And it just it's like any grassroots thing. It can work and inspire more and more people. Just takes that first contact, that first level of people who can show you, bring you into that door and show you like, are you really stressed? Do you get home from work and think, God, I hate doing what I do. If I could tell you, you could spend a hundred bucks, get a fish tank, and within 20 minutes of every day, you come home from something you hate, forget all about it. Feel relaxed, feel at home. If you want a beer or a scotch in your hand while you do it, feel free. Need to roll that extra joint? Go for it. But just chills you out. Now you can go about that time with your family, with your friends, and not have that stress on you so that everything you do for fun becomes even more relaxing, even more enjoyable. Could you possibly say no? Well, I don't think it's going to get better than that, ladies and gentlemen. No. You know, I, I look back and you talk about the grassroots movement. It takes one person. A, a lot of the zoos in America now are, are, are changing from just displaying animals to educating people about those animals. But as, as, a, as a person, just as a human being, if you've ever stood within five feet of an elephant and seen how majestic they are, how huge they are, how cool they are, how do you not want to help save these animals in their natural habitat? I understand that people get uptight because there are animals behind bars, but the zoos are getting much better at keeping animals. They have better habitats. But if you do not educate people, if the only time a child ever sees an elephant is on National Geographic, you know, it's just another cartoon on TV that doesn't matter. And so I really think it's important the zoos that we have in this country, the aquariums we have in this country to help support those guys because they are out there now um, trying to create pos positivity about keeping these animals alive out in the wild. And I think that's super important. 
the Project Pia Buzz, the Conservation Acts, the reintroductories, and the most important thing above them all is the uh, basements of the world holding treasures, passing it on from one uh, friend, family member to the other. And like my endless. Keeping the hobby alive and making sure feeder guppies are there for everyone. Feeder guppies. Hoorah. Hoorah. Well, Bentley, you have been fantastic, sir. I appreciate you uh, having uh, to let us know your insight on the hobby and telling us what aquariums mean to you. Uh, it's not going to get better than this, sir. If uh, you're listening into this and you're just getting in a hobby, well, get in. I mean, we don't have to tell you. This told you. Get in. Get your piece of uh, heaven. De-stress. And uh, above all else, uh, Joanne, I hope you're rolling blunts right now because <laughs> <laughs> that would be perfect. Yeah, she she's listening to this podcast and she's going, I can't even get high enough <laughs> to get out of this podcast. Well, Bentley, you got any last remarks for us, buddy? Well, I mean, only because it ties back to the, the start of this episode in that you have Dojo Loches behind you, right? I do. And I think it's important that we've discussed how turtles have a gaseous exchange through their rectum. Uh, it should be noted that the majestic Dojo Loach also has an important gaseous exchange through the rectum, which is to say that they have two air bladders in their body. And when they feed at the top, they very often bring too much air into their system and they have to pass that gas through the first air bladder to the second. You'll often see them come into a weird L shape. I know this because I have my Dojo Loach danger noodle. Who is a big Danger fan Noodle. of Gordon Ramsay? Danger Noodle. That's going to be my nickname. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well. Uh, broken Noodle might be, is probably might more be like Small Noodle might be more appropriate. There you go. <laughs> it is cold here in Minnesota. It does get a little chilly. Yeah. I, but I it's important to note that that gaseous exchange occurs. And as an Aquarius, few things are funnier than watching a big tentacle penis monster fart. It, it is literally the reason why it's my wife's favorite fish. She calls it her penis fish. That's so th the name Danger Noodle was because it was the appropriate version of the Cthulhu penis monster <laughs> nickname that my girlfriend first gave the Dojo Loach when it, when it came home. And, and now, ever since, like that, it's so, it's so, the fish is so dumb. Like, we will sit, one of our favorite things to watch together is any kind of Gordon Ramsay show. We put it on that fish. I joke you not, shows up to the front of the tank, flops down, and watches the TV. <laughs> and farts. And farts. And, and without and fail, you are going to see Danger Noodle fart. <laughs> just, just guaranteed, because it's what they do. And every time you, you catch it out of the corner of your eye, it is pretty much impossible not to like either crack a smile or giggle at it. Because you don't see other fish fart. It just doesn't happen. That's not how they produce air through their systems. So it's important to know for everybody listening, the importance of gaseous exchange <laughs> in your weather loach. Remember, fart your danger doodle. <laughs> All right. We're, we're redoing our merch store and we already have one of our local artists that made a uh, Danger Noodle artwork. We're, we're going we're gonna to send you guys a t-shirt. That's all there is to it. <laughs> yes. Well, again, guys, we're going to be on next week. Join us Monday, 7 o'clock in Discord. If you like what you hear, go to AquariumGuysPodcast.com. You can go to the bottom of the page. Give us a few bucks. Keeps the lights on. 
you know, buy a Danger Noodle t-shirt. They are there. We're going to get new ones with logo. Oh, it's actual word thing, Danger Noodle now. That's it's, my, it's all over. That's my new superhero. I'm going to go home and show my Danger Noodle Dun, da, da, da. On that note, we bid you adieu. See you next week. Thanks, guys, for listening to the podcast. Please go to your favorite place where podcasts are found, whether it be Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever they can be found. Like, subscribe, and make sure you get push notifications directly to your phone so you don't miss great content like this. I never knew that a Minnesota accent could be so sexy until I heard Adam's voice. Go fuck yourself, don't you know? (laughs) That's my boy, don't you know.